Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast whose hosts once rode the mighty Mythosaur. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Joey, and with me is Royce. Hello, podcast. And Robin. Hello. And that's all. (laughs) We are Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast that talks about all kinds of nerdy and nerd pop culture stuff, but honestly, it's mostly Star Wars. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, hit us up at Krypton Alderaan on Twitter or at Krypton to Alderaan at gmail.com. That's (laughs) A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N. Good thing we wrote a jingle for Alderaan, the planet that blew up. Uh, What I'm into this week, I would have to say, just because I have, I don't know, Thanksgiving seems like a lazy time of year, so I've spent a lot of time on the couch. And so, man, a lot of that time has been watching Veronica Mars. We're just getting through all of Veronica Mars. Are either of you familiar with Veronica Mars? No. Mm -mm. Okay, well... Well, I know of it, but I've never watched it. Yeah, it's pretty enjoyable. Veronica Mars is played by Kristen Bell, and it was, I don't know, it's a show from the early 2000s, so she's younger. And she and her father are private investigators, so they're, like, solving crimes and stuff, and that's the really fun part for me. The less fun part is, like, the high school slash early college drama and relationship. Ugh. Anyway, all (laughs) that. But that's what I've been into. We've been watching a lot of it. Starting to have dreams. <laughs> have you been dreaming that you are Veronica Mars? Uh, I mean, maybe, I guess. <laughs> like when you play too much Tetris and you start seeing the, the pieces fall down. Yeah. You're playing the episodes in your head. Right. I'm solving crimes in my dreams. Anyway, that's it for me. Anybody else? Woo! <laughs> <Royce>. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this should point in a direction, right? What about, what do you got, Royce? No, we normally oh, go, wait, no, we normally go counterclockwise. <laughs> Will you Uh, have one more thing? I do have one more thing. I'm going to start writing it down. You know what? No, you go, and I'll do it after that. (laughs) All right. I'll follow your theme of holiday uh, routines switching from being productive to lazy. I'm into procrastination. We're on the cusp of Star Wars season, or at the, the peak of Star Wars season, I guess. Rise of Skywalker, three weeks away. Three weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> I don't have any song planned for my YouTube channel. What? I have three versions of like crummy demos that I'm like, these could work. Wow. But they have trailers that are out and I don't have enough information to build a song around the trailer. But you didn't have enough information to do no, Hello I didn't. from the Dark Side. Hello from the Dark Side was just a just a clip show. Yeah. So I don't know. I got I got nothing. I have some ideas, but none none concrete. I got huh. three weeks to pull it together, and I'm hoping that, you know, the night before the finals do, mm. I'll pull it together. I'll help you out here. Hey, everyone listening, at Royish Good Looks with all your ideas <laughs> for Star Wars songs. He loves getting uh, everyone else's ideas. Or even if you listen to one of his songs and he should have rhymed a word with another word, <laughs> let him know that too. Yeah, and if I spelled something wrong in the uh, subtitles, <laughs> definitely let me know there. Actually, you can direct your, your questions to at Robin. <laughs> at Robin. <laughs> yeah. No, I have a, a really long list of songs I should make, period. Anytime someone suggests one, I write it down. Well, that's good. But I don't have a song yet. Mm. That's hard to believe. I can't tell if he's being truthful or not. Oh, I'm not I'm not trying to, like, uh, fool people. Like, oh, there's not going to be a song this Christmas. Sorry, everybody. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. It's no. a hit. No, he wants to do it's something. A- he's he's <laughs> got lots of tiny little half ideas, but nothing. Yeah. I have a lot of choruses and, and no yeah. verses is the problem. Because like I said, there's not enough plot. What are you guys doing in this film that I can tell the story about? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll probably touch on that too. Yep. So procrastination. If you're procrastinating out there too, you're not alone. Good. We relate. <laughs> what do you got, Robin? Uh, this week, I'm into Christmas. Huh, it's, okay. It's finally Christmas time. We're we're putting up the tree and that's all I got. All right. I'm very excited. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's the holidays where everyone's like, I'm checking out. I had responsibilities. I'm done being responsible until January 1st. And I'm Christmas shopping and I'm cooking and baking and putting up decorations. And that's all I care about. End of story. Well, the end, I guess. You want to hit stop? (laughs) Full stop. Podcast done. All right, cool. That's what we've been into. Anyway, we've got a lot of Star Wars to talk about, so we're mostly Alderaan these days and not so much Krypton, but we're, like, coming to an end. Like you said, Rise of Skywalker is three weeks away. It's peak Star Wars. And then we will talk about it probably into January on this podcast. But then after that... Yeah, Star Wars is going to drop off the hill Yeah, after that what are we going to do? 
It's going to have to be all Krypton. Thinking that on the way over here, that we might have actually a limited run of Star Wars uh, on the Alderaan part of our podcast, I was thinking that I would, I am really interested in just consuming everything canon. So I think that maybe in the new year, I'll just start in chronological order consuming Star Wars canon and then can give updates on the show. I'm okay with that. That would be a fun thing. Well, no, you're right. Like, it's then it's time to go through the back catalog of. Clone Wars, <laughs> Clone Wars, or Rebels, or whatever, Resistance. Yes, and also all the books. Yeah. And comic books. Go yeah. to your local comic book shop and pick up a Star Wars comic book. No, I have to say, I was really hoping that, that Darth Vader would be my uh, my into this week. It just, it's been, it's that time of year. That's fine. Once you read it, you'll want to talk about it, and I'll be here for you. I'll be here for you. <laughs> Okay, so this week, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian episodes three and four. Woo! Right? We each watched them once, as much as I'd love to watch them twice, and as much as we only tune in for Baby Yoda. But I got to say, at this point, I'm kind of over it. The show? Yeah. You know? I'm just kidding. It's the greatest fucking thing on television. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a rough podcast. (laughs) It's the greatest thing out there. Everything's good about it. The themes, the story, and, of course, Baby Yoda. So let's dive into episode three, The Sin. Now, you asked before the podcast why it's called The Sin, and I guess I didn't really think about it, and I still don't know. Other than, like, he went against the guild. Did we give a spoiler warning? We did not. We're going to spoil the whole thing. Yeah, both episodes (laughs) are going to be spoiled. We're going to talk about as much detail as we'd like to talk about. So whatever, shut up or turn it off. If you haven't seen it, go see it and then listen to us. Yeah, absolutely. Also, you should be watching it. It's so good. Yeah, So well, if you're in the UK or whatever. Oh, yeah. But anyway, Mandalorian, The Sin, episode three. Let's get serious about this podcast, all right? It was directed by... Deborah Chow, and then uh, written by John Favreau. Mm-hmm. So Deborah Chow actually is going to be directing and executive producing the Obi Wan series. Huh. So this is like a cool maybe insight into her. I mean, she's done some other stuff in the past, some episodes of other TV shows, and a couple of other things. But maybe an insight into her, you know, Star Wars directability and. I think it was a great episode. I think the direction in all of these episodes has been has been very good. Maybe a little less in episode four, but we'll get to that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Deborah Chow, Obi Wan, she's gonna be directing That's and producing. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a solid episode. Yeah, as far as I don't, it's weird with TV shows that the direction changes from episode to episode. You would think that'd be like a really big X factor. Yeah, I would think that all of these people are people that. Dave Filoni and John Favreau trust and are properly vetted. Sure. And she's already directing, you know, the Obi-Wan series. So she's got credentials. Yeah, Dave Filoni directed episode one. Dave Filoni's, you know... Clone Wars guy? Clone Wars and Rebels. He's got... TV guy? Yeah, he's got good... I mean, those shows are great and very Star Wars smart, and he's good at it. And, you got book smart, and then you got Star Wars smart. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, okay, here we are. Let's uh, let's get into episode three, the sin. The sin. Uh, so the, the sin is that he he goes against the I don't really know bounty hunter guild where they had. There's so much honor among bounty hunters. Yeah, I guess there's just honor among thieves. You know, he definitely is very honorable as a human being yes. or as a Mandalorian being. But other bounty hunters, they seem like they want to kill other bounty hunters. You know what I mean? Yes, but that all happens. After he takes Baby Yoda to the client. Right. So we start with the Mandalorian actually bringing Baby Yoda back to the client, Werner Herzog. And he hands Baby Yoda over and then asks what's going to happen to him. And that's when, I think that's when we get the first sort of hint that that's against the code. Right. Or against the guild code. Because uh, Werner Herzog's like, don't ask questions. You're not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody else knows the bounty hunter code? Yeah. Why is that? Well, I guess because he has dealings with the, you want to make sure, like, if you have dealings with who's ever doling out the the bounties or the bounty pucks, yeah. you're going to be like, no one's going to ask any questions, right? And then that person's going to be like, yeah, it's against the code. We all belong to the Bounty Hunting Guild, and here's our, mm-hmm. what are they called? Laws, rules, codes. Regulations. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's just something you're told when you hire them to do a job. 
So he hands over Baby Yoda, this, and Dr. Pershing takes Baby Yoda away. Mm-hmm. And then the Mandalorian asks about him. And then the Mandalorian gets the Beskar steel, and we get to see his armor get made. And we have another series of flashbacks at that point when the armorist, I guess, is making the is making his armor. Yeah. I like that whole, like, it's like if you're playing a video game, you know, you complete the mission, you go back yeah, to your you get a cut scene. lair, and you get your upgrades or whatever. Right. It's kind of cool. I wish they would just do the whole flashback, though. Did we already talk about how it seems like a video game? Maybe. Well, you'll have to go back to the tapes. Yeah. Uh, But I don't like the ka-ching flashback, back to the lair. Ka-ching flashback. Now we're back to the lair. I like it. It's like a traumatized, it's like... It's like invoking his trauma. Yeah. Well, I understand like the, you know, what the picture they're trying to paint with mm-hmm. it, but I, I would just rather see the flashback. I was kind of hoping that this episode, uh, the last one, the fourth one, would right. open up with a flashback. I was like, ooh, this might be a flashback. But I, they're clearly not going to give you all the info there. They're just inferring that he had a traumatic childhood and that's it. Yeah. There's eight episodes total. I would bet one of them is going to be at least partially like flashback. Or maybe not. I don't know. I mean, we know... Well, we'll get into it after we discuss episode four because he kind of, the Mandalorian says a little bit more about his past in episode four. Right. So we'll get into it. So, oh, he also gave a name to the space rhinoceros. She was like, the armorist is like, what happened to your armor? And he was like, mudhorn. Mudhorn. Called it a mudhorn. Oh, and the crawler. He called it the uh, fortress, the crawling fortress. We're like, he named the sand crawler from the (laughs) Jowls. Crawling fortress. Nice. Sand crawler. (laughs) Yep. All right, well. Is the sand crawler or crawling fortress? Which <laughs> question has to be answered. So he gets his armor made and he gets, and that's when he goes and sees Carl Weathers. And Carl Weathers is like, you're my most favorite bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. It's just like painting a mark on the back of his helmet, but. Yeah, nobody anyway. likes him now. Yeah. Not even the Mandalorians. Yeah, but because, well, we could go into that a little bit. I I, I actually thought that bringing that Beskar into the Mandalorian underground would cause a problem because it's got the Imperial stamp on it. They seem to be kind of like, about that. You get you got paid by the people who stole this, destroyed our world or yeah, whatever, yeah. and stole this from us. Like, this is ours. When the Jawas took his ship, he's like, I'm not paying you. I'm not trading. They're my parts. It's kind of the, you know, that's just... What the Mandal- how the Mandalorians feel about that stuff. The mm. Empire stole that, put their stamp on it, and then used it as payment for, right. for work done by the Mandalorians. Yeah, that's kind of a disconnect there. Yeah. But he's like, at least it's back with us, though. Right. And that's what the Mandalorian making his armor says, and they all bond over it, which is nice. Some and a portion of it goes to the Foundlings. And we also learn more about, well, we'll talk more about the Foundlings, I think, in episode four. So we learn a little bit more about what that means, I think. For just 96 cents a day, you can sponsor a Mandalorian foundling. <laughs> just one this life brick day of season. Beskar. So he's talking to Carl Weathers. He takes his next bounty, who's... Oh, yeah, he's a, like... Who's a... Uh, Admiral Akbar. Yeah. He's Ma- like, what's Mon your highest Calmari. paying one? He's like, this one's not a lot. It's 5,000. Which in the first episode, he was like, that don't cover fuel these days. He just wants to get out of there. Just wants something to do. But it's a Mon Calmari person. Yeah. I was like, man, please don't make it like Admiral Akbar or something. But right. Then yep. he goes to get in his ship, and he's like, no. Yoda was taken off the little joystick from his right, shifter right, yep. in the Razor Crest. Yep. So he gets back in his ship to go on his next bounty, and he realizes the ball is not screwed onto the, the shifter in the And he has Razor a crest. moment. And as we've said before, obviously you can't see the emotion in his face, but I think at that moment you can really feel it. Like he's like, well, he goes to touch it, and he's like, oop, pretty great. Pretty great moment, I think. So he goes back and wrecks up the place. Disintegrates some stormtroopers. Which again, I know I keep pointing this out, but I feel like the clone troopers would have cleaned their armor. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they blend in better. When we meet Rex after the Clone Wars, but before A New Hope in Star Wars Rebels, he's been living in the desert, hunting giant desert worms for, I don't know, 10, 15 years at that point. Okay. And his armor is not as dirty as these stormtroopers. He's just more disciplined. Right? Because they were built for it, but also just a little bit of pride. I even put that on in the morning. Anyway, maybe they go into that at some point that they're like, yeah, I mean, I have stormtroopers, but they're a bunch of delinquents. Yeah, well, they're all disintegrated now. Yeah, man, I love that gun. And that he has to reload it. I think that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that in episode Robin, four. it's so cool. Yeah, what do you think, Robin? So cool. What do you think about his gun? Uh, I don't. I'm not if you're playing Battlefront, come on. I'm you not want talking one. about his muscles. <laughs> um,. I'm not super into the fact that he has to reload it, but I do think it's an awesome gun, mm-hmm. which I would love to own if it were real. Wow. That's 
We might have gotten a little bit too scared. You can have my gun. <laughs> Disintegration first. <laughs> well, I mean, zombie apocalypse. That's how you protect your property. Yeah. I'm going to disintegrate all the zombies and bad guys and no one will ever come near my home. It's super cool. Did we talk about that that gun is an homage to, I think, the holiday special? I don't think we brought it up, but yeah, I guess that's where it came from. Yeah. Like Boba an, Fett animated, a- an animated section of the holiday special, Boba Fett has a gun that looks like that. It's a cool design. Yeah. And cool they brought it back. There's a lot of ties, apparently, to the holiday special. In the first episode, his bounties go wants to go home for whatever the holiday's name Life is. Life Day. Life Day, yeah. yeah that that yeah. was the whole point of the special, right? They were celebrating Life right, Day. Right, exactly. Anyway. I wonder if there is a checkboard where they're like, can we make this thing mean more? Can we make this thing not as stupid? Yeah. Okay, so he goes to rescue Baby Yoda, and when he finds Baby Yoda— Herzog's it, gone. Right, seems to be gone, and I really I thought we were gonna get the scene. I thought we were gonna get the scene from the trailer where the clients like they're outside. Yeah, the Mandalorian's like good, but we didn't get that, which means it's coming up. Maybe that's the finale. But anyway, by the time he gets to Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda's in this stasis seatbelt. It's getting an MRI, and Doctor Pershing's sniveling on the floor. But Pershing says that without him, they would have killed Baby Yoda. Which is curious, because I really thought he was a bad guy. Honestly, I would have put would have put all my Beskar steel on him being a bad guy. But maybe he is sort of a good guy. I'm. I think maybe he'll join the join the crew. When this would be interesting. If he's like, mess. I got to come with you because he's. It's not complete the thing we're doing or whatever. You know. Yeah, I I feel like he might get sick of running. Is there? They got the fobs and they're going to be able to find him wherever he goes. So I have a feeling it might turn into like him getting sick of running and then going to get Pershing and be like, what do they want? this mm-hmm. for how we stop it but anyway he rescues little baby yoda and then all ship breaks loose he's trying to get back to the to his ship and all, then all the bounty hunters come out including carl weathers right he's like you well, broke my heart because all the fobs are going off right all the fobs are going off and obviously it was a big like he made a ruckus everyone he made what the they fob. call in the galaxy a bit of a ruckus <laughs> and uh you gotta get to the bottom of how these fobs work but anyway bounty hunters and Do you think they'd get better work if they all just spread across the galaxy rather than living in the same spot? They might be. I mean, each planet might have a guild or each, mm, yeah, each yeah, that's the sector one, one might have a guild. Of right. the, the entire bounty hunter guild. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, so there's a big fight. And it's just such a great scene. The action in this scene is great. I mean, again... Well, they have the standoff where he's like, let me go to my ship. And it's very Western. Yeah. It's like extremely Western. It's like in this... What you see in the Western movies where they're in like a dirt street yeah. they're, and they're, they're gunslinging and they're about to have a duel. Yeah. The only thing that was missing was people peering their heads out of like yeah. the saloon window. Yeah. So it's great action sequence and then the other Mandalorians show up. And it turns into the ending of Iron Man 2. <laughs> well, no. The end of Iron Man or 2 three or whatever. But <laughs> I've been talking this whole time about how he needs a jetpack and all of these Mandalorians show up in yeah, jetpacks yeah. and it was amazing. I loved it. And then he says, I got to get me one of those. Yeah, and I was like, you do. You really do. When's that going to happen? <laughs> that was a very Marvel moment. Yeah. Yeah, that that is probably the scene that's most maybe cheesy. When the one Mandalorian who was giving him shit in the underground about taking the best guards, like right. flies up to his window and salutes him. God like, bless Mandalore. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah, great action sequence, I think. They, they, they were building, I think that episode, they wanted to build more of that Mandalorian backstory or whatever. When he got the steel and the guy was teasing him, right. and they said, well, this is the way. We're getting the steel back. Oh, this is the way. And they all repeat, the, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. Get your t-shirts here. This is the way t-shirts I'd buy a here. t-shirt with, <laughs> uh, with the Mandalorian's face that says, this is the way. Listen, last time on the podcast, I said I wanted a t-shirt. I got it. So <laughs> Yeah. So they were saying that line. I don't know if they say it at the end again, but they were showcasing that no matter their small gripes that they could still stick together. And I guess the Mandalorians can't resist a good shootout. Do you think they knew it was the Mandalorian or were were they like, hey, something's going down? Because they also said they couldn't, sh- they only come up one at a time or something like that, that they don't all walk around the bar together. And you're like, there's like 20 Mandalorians here. What's going on? Right. So yeah. they have to move now because they've they've given up the fact that they live there. Yeah, I think they need to go into that a little bit more. Why that would be the case. What did you guys think of that whole action sequence? Let's go to Robin first. 
I was not a huge fan. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening is surprised. Yeah. No, I just, I, I don't particularly like scenes like that in general. I just wanted him to be like, I'm going to go to my ship and then like shoot one person and everyone would be like, oh, Shit. He's got okay. the disintegrator gun. We forgot about that. Whoops, doodle. Yeah, everybody let this guy through. He's getting new. Forgot ship. that he's the best bounty hunter <laughs> in the galaxy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially that the whole thing was like uh, kind of coordinated by Carl Weathers being like hiding around the corner, like, "Hey, we're still here. We're all gonna kill you." Mm-hmm. It was fun though. I, it was a little silly that he could threaten the droid with a gun. I didn't really understand that. Droids are like, "No, don't kill me." Well, they all. I have are. so much more left to compute. They always all are. That's the thing. Like, they're the complete anthropomorphization of of robots. But he was like, drive. And the droid was like, nope. Yeah. And he's like, I'll shoot you. But it's the same with C-3PO and R2-D. Like Every stuff, droid guess, we yeah. meet, it's like, don't shoot. Yeah, no, they, they just have that personality. That was like the slowest moving vehicle in all of Star Wars. He was just kind of slowly. And it still didn't work out. Yeah, he got, <laughs> did, did he get stuck on something or he got shot? Something he, he got the yeah, yeah. shot. So that didn't work out. No. Yeah, then he runs out of fuel for his flamethrower gun, which he loves pulling out, but it doesn't really get him out of any situations. Didn't work on the Mudhorn, didn't work on uh, the Bounty Hunters, didn't yeah. work in the next episode on Cara Dune. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Also, he always, it always seems to actually not work. I think it's it's more of a theatrical thing. Yeah. Where he's just like, ha ha, fire! And you're like, yeah. Because he did it to the Jawas. And- That's the one yeah. time it actually like sort of worked on command. Otherwise, he's like banging it against the ground or something to get it to work. I don't know. Do you like that he has a bunch of gadgets? He's got the um, whistling birds. Oh, and those I forgot were like to heat, bring heat that up. Seeking yeah. missiles or something that were very special to the Mandalorians. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that he's got all the gadgets. I think it would be much more badass if all he had was like the disintegrator gun that mm-hmm. he had to slowly reload. And he was like, I just go across the galaxy with this disintegrator gun and no one fucks with me. Like, you yeah. know, you could have a jetpack. And he's like, just, I don't need it. All I need uh, is his gun. Get the jetpack. Maybe you'll get the jetpack in like the last scene of the last episode. It completes the whole Mandalorian. He jetpacks yeah. off into the sunset with Baby Yoda in his arms. Mm-hmm. It's just like a Western. Yeah, I love that. This I think I said it already, but I love that the armor is integrated with technology. Makes sense. I think that's really cool. Um, Why would it just be armor? Yeah. But anyway, how do you feel about the fight scene? I liked it. I liked that all the Mandalorians show up because I want to get more of that like. Mandalore. Why aren't they j- yeah, Mandalore's... Mandalore. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good one. Good one, Joe. Thanks. You got that s- Star Wars smarts. <laughs> yeah, I like that they all show up and that they they work together. Yeah. And there's some kind of honor among those guys, too. Well, and yeah. They're, they're clearly more cool than the bounty hunters. Like, if it was just a bounty hunter show, mm-hmm. like, the Mandalorian side of this is way cooler than the bounty hunter side to me. Yeah, I think the showrunners know that. And I, I mean, I think... You know, if you absorb this extra movie content, the Mandalorian are a very honorable, most of them, for the most part, are honorable, loyal race, I guess. You think they would work together, though? Like, so one of us is up at a time, and he's like, well, I'm I'm bringing home the Baskar steel with my bounty hunting gig. What are you doing over there, you know? Yeah. You guys are just in this cave yeah. pissing each other off. Yeah, I don't know. There might also be a disconnect between actual Mandalorians... I guess now knowing what I know based on episode four, actual Mandalorians and foundlings. So who knows, but we'll get into that. You merely adopted the Baskar steel. (laughs) Yeah. And so in the beginning of the episode, we learned that Carl Weathers' character also got paid in Baskar. Yeah, yeah. he's rich. Just conveniently puts it in his left breast pocket. Yeah, oh, that's right, that's right. So the Mandalorian, with the help of the other Mandalorians, finally gets to his ship. And Carl Weathers has hit on his ship and pops out behind him. It's a good plan. But Mandalorian just shoots him right in the chest and he goes falling off the ship. But we find out that obviously it shot him in the Beskar, which is another uh, Western Right. My trusty Beskar steel Bible that I always keep on my heart. Sheriff's badge or Clint Eastwood. And then also uh, Marty McFly wears the thing under his shirt. I think in Back to the Future 3, it's like the door to a wood-burning stove or a, a forge or something. Remember oh, that? That's fun. No, I don't he remember does, that scene. has the duel with Biff, old... But anyway, yeah, so he's so, protected yeah, by the... Thing. And he's still out there. Right. That's what Robin pointed out before episode four. She was like, they didn't recap that uh, Carl Weathers is still there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, he's probably not going to be in this episode. And... He wasn't. Right. But he's, like you said, he's still out there. This client guy's still out there. Yeah. And they're going to want that Yoda. And the client might be after Carl Weathers also. Yeah, they might have for to For letting team him up. get away. 
So he gets in his ship and flies off with Baby Yoda. And where are they going to go? Where are they going? How are they going to get away? I thought he was just going to go and continue to bounty hunt and go to Mon Calmari. There wasn't any dialogue at the end where he was like, we got to go hiding now. They're on to us. Yeah. The Mandalorian said that. He knew he couldn't go back to... He, I don't think he could kill. I mean, they. That's why the Mandalorians should have just been like, well, we can't stay th- here, so let's go somewhere else. And he's like, why don't you come with us? They should have all migrated together because how is he going to know how to get back home? If he needs more armor, he's got to have somebody's phone number. Yeah. Presumably the Mandalorians have those little sects also all over the galaxy, and they would probably be the only ones who really know where they are, how to get in touch with they them. They got a plan stuff. B. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of episode three The Sin. Yeah. What a sin it was. Mm-hmm. Episode four. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think was going to happen next, Robin? Um, I definitely thought episode four was going to be very Carl Weathers heavy. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be, it was going to start on him, you know, like recap pulling out of his shirt pocket. And then I thought the entire episode was just going to be him like trying to find the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But that's obviously not That would have been the next logical step. Like, I thought everything that happened in the next episode, as far as, like, uh, Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian was probably going to happen. Like, they got to find someplace else to live, and they got to find someplace really remote. But I also thought it was going to be, like, half that and then half Carl Weathers central, but it was not. You think they'd be hot in his tail, because the, the way those fobs worked, they would just be like, he went that way. Yeah. Mm. He reached an area of space where he thought he'd be safe, knowing that other bounty hunters had those fobs. Right. He picked this backwater planet that he thought would be out of reach, I guess. I don't, we don't understand how they work. Mm. So anyway, what's the name of that planet? Sorgan. Okay. Goes to Sorgan. Anyway, okay, episode four, Sanctuary, also written by John Favreau. But this one, did you guys see that at the end in the credits? Directed by Bryce Dallas Howard? Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. You know who Bryce Dallas Howard is? Refresh my memory. She's an actress, I guess also director. She's most notably probably recently Jurassic World. In Jurassic World 2, she's the main. She's the the redhead. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She's been in Black Mirror, and I think she might have also directed that Black Mirror episode. But anyway, she's uh, pretty good at everything. Mm. Anyway, I think there was some weird direction slash acting in this episode, but it might not be. Well, this one got a lot more personal. Yeah. There was a lot of dialogue in this one versus the others. Maybe not a lot in general. But most of the others have just been the Mandalorian walking around. Yeah. Until he has like a pivotal point when he needs to trade or whatever. Mm -hmm. This one was like all like, hey, how are you doing? Your son really likes it here. Well. The most dramatic change in, you know, feel from episode one, two, three. I think each of these episodes is, um, well, they're definitely paying homages to many Western films. Mm Mm-hmm. But I would wonder if they're thema- like more thematically from specific films. The whole premise of this episode seems, again, very much like an old Western film. G- Gunslinger comes to town. The town's being raided. Yeah. He helps the town. You can help people. us. You're good with guns. Yeah. We know gun. Right. <laughs> we could get into a debate on guns. If you want. Also, he's got a big podcast. he's got a big cache of guns, but they still give some of them sticks. He had plenty of guns. <laughs> Why would you even bother with the sticks? <laughs> I, d- I don't know. You're bringing a stick to an ATSD fight. <laughs> they had a plan for that, though. So, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's. Uh, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Bryce Dallas Howard directed it. Also, Baby Yoda. Okay, and a great opening scene is that Baby Yoda keeps pushing the buttons. Yes. Right? That- and the Mandalorian <laughs> either keeps having to adjust with different buttons or undoing what Baby Yoda did. That was the perfect way to start it because. That was my favorite part in the very beginning when he's like, stop touching buttons and Baby Yoda looks him right in the eye and it's just, just like slowly leans <laughs> yeah. over and he's like, click. <laughs> he's like, all right, you're sitting in my fucking shaking. lap now. Yeah. Why do you even have a button that makes the ship do that? <laughs> That's the self-destruct button. <laughs> that was perfect. Yes, it's very cute. I thought it was great. <laughs> very cute. They were doing an incredible job pulling at your heartstrings with Baby Yoda. That wasn't even a heartstrings thing. That was definitely just Baby Yoda's like, he's a troublemaker. I'm still going to touch but it you, though. you love it though. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's great. <laughs> Uh, okay, so he, they come out of hyperspace. He thinks it's a, he thinks that they can't, they won't be reached there. They'll be able to hide out, which I think is interesting because there must be like a limit to those fobs. Another great Mandalorian Baby Yoda interaction. He lands the ship and tells Baby Yoda to stay. You're going to stay with the ship. Yeah. And then he's lowering the, the ramp. And by the time the ramp gets down, Baby Yoda's right behind him. I love that. Uh... 
What are you sighing about? It's cute. I know it's cute. I don't... I, it's just... It's the only thing people are talking about with the show. Listen, it's the best part of the show. Well, it's, it's like you said. They're like, the it, only can we just start calling about. it the Baby Yoda show? Like, is it the Mandalorian? Baby Yoda is a great part of the show. But I also think a lot of the show is great. At the end of our discussion on this episode, I'll talk about a few things that don't make sense to me or sure, that right. I don't think was very good writing. But overall, I think the show's great. From Baby Yoda to the Western themes to the Mandalorian backstory, his personal backstory, but then also the Mandalore, as we've called it. <laughs> All right, so he goes to the bar with the kid. He's tipping the bartender, watch the kid for me. He's getting, he's ordering bone broth. I don't need sees, any soup, just a kid. I don't need soup. I'm a man. <laughs> he's, he's, well, he can't take off his helmet, so he'd have to be like, bring me a soup and a straw. You need a really long, probably bendy don't have straw. straws. <laughs> so at the beginning of the episode, we actually it's actually on Sorgan, right? And the there's town people harvesting little blue mm. shrimp, and they get attacked by this the tribe guy. of band. Yeah, I'm sure there's a Western that that's paying homage. There are many Westerns, but it felt very much Lord of the Rings. Okay, I'm glad you're saying that because yeah. I was going to say that. It's the first thing I said when Lorelai and I were watching. I was like, this is probably supposed to feel like a Western, but all I can think of is Lord of the Rings. Oh, they were just very like... <laughs> yeah, they were very orakai, but the whole, but even the aesthetic of the whole thing happening was very, I yeah. think. So they get raided and all the little blue shrimps get stolen and people probably get killed. Then, <laughs> then the Mandalorian shows. Anyway, so he's at the bar and we see Gina Carano's character... Cara Dune, and he looks up and she's disappeared. I thought she was going to end up being a bounty hunter mm -hmm. that was just right. there, you know, that had caught up to him. She does the whole, there's only room in uh, this town for one Exactly, kind of thing. another very Western thing. But they have a fight. The Mandalorian gets his ass kicked a couple of times in this episode. He, he's I always getting his ass kicked. I expected him to be like... I, in one of the trailers, he takes a shot to the shoulder, right? It's one of the one of the parts of the trailers that I love, where he just like takes a shot yeah, to the yeah. shoulder with his armor on, no and doesn't it doesn't he doesn't, doesn't stop flex. at all. Yeah. It, nothing happens. But in this one, he gets shot and he like moves back. And anyway, Gina Carano hmm. beats him up, and and then they're friends. They're friends. Baby Yoda shows up, sipping his like bone any broth. good friendship <laughs> starts. With they pull their they pull fight. their guns on each other and they look over and little baby Yoda's there with this little cup of soup. That's the best part of the entire episode. Yep. And then then and then it cuts to them at the bar sharing a table and she's supposed to be drinking bone broth. See, this is something that I hate about TV and movies as a broad statement. Whenever someone's supposed to be drinking something coffee or eating something like Gina Carano in this scene, there's never anything in the apparatus. And you can't fake eating or drinking. Why can't you just put water in the bowl so right. it actually looks like she's drinking something? Right. Ugh, I hate it. it. Happens on TV all the time. It's supposed to be drinking coffee, and you know, there's no coffee in that coffee. Anyway, Hollywood, stop. <laughs> all right, so they're friends. Yep. She says, there ain't room in this town for both of us. And he turns to Baby Yoda and says, this planet's taken. <laughs> This planet's not big, for, big enough for the both of us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Very Western. Uh, so he's at his ship doing some kind of repairs, and that's when the townspeople show up to... Yeah, they just find him. They, they said it took a long time to get here. These, I think the native they were, people find his ship. I think that either they were going to that town where the bar is to look for somebody to help them, mm -hmm. or somebody at the bar pointed them in his direction. You're like, there's this guy here. Yeah. Had a lot of gadgets. And a little green baby. So he says it's not enough money for me to help your townspeople. The towns for the natives or whoever. Right. They want him to extinguish the Urukai. Right. And they're like, here's all our money. It's our life savings. It's the size of a softball. And he's like, that's not enough money. But then eventually they convince him. I don't. Where he's going to take lodging as payment. But then he takes the money and he gives it to Cara Dune to team up. He just wanted a place to hide. Okay, yeah. He wanted so he wasn't going to do a one-off job just for the money. Right. He wanted into that village for a place to hide. My up. question is, is he needs lodging, but he has a ship that can survive the vacuum of space. So why doesn't he just live on the ship? I guess he wants to have a nice life as well. I think maybe if you're on a planet hidden away, tucked away somewhere, there's less chance of people finding you. Ship's got too much technology, draws too much attention. Yeah. I'm okay. wondering if there's also, a, because of something that happens later in this episode, I'm wondering if when Grief Karga, Carl Weathers' character, when he was in there, put a tracker. Yeah, in the that would have been a great, great last shot. You yeah. know, him throwing the tracker on. And you're like, oh, he's not going to get away. Well, he was in the ship. 
I mean, he right. was in there and he popped out. So, so I'm googling who Gina Carano is because I don't <laughs> understand her. She, she was the okay. So let's go into character. that. Well, she's, I, Cara, I, she's Cara Dune. She was a former shock, what they call shock, shock trooper, trooper for the rebellion. Shock trooper is just a title of a certain level of trooper in various armies. There, there was a there are shock clone troopers. There's shock imperial troopers, and there's shock rebel troopers. How much you want to blow stuff up? A little or a lot? Yeah, but uh, they, as like a real person, is she an actress? Or yeah, oh yeah, she's an actress. Okay. She was in Deadpool, the first Deadpool movie. She's the main henchman. I don't remember that. She fights Colossus at the end. It's like her and Col- at the at the end of the first Deadpool movie. It's her and Colossus fighting. Huh. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. No, because just looking at her, I'm like, in my opinion, <laughs> I thought she was a pretty terrible actress in this episode. So that's what I was going to get to. I, her acting, It yeah, seemed like it was, it was like little... her first day ever acting. And I just looking well, at her, I thought maybe she was like a former pro wrestler she's a wrestler. or something. I, yeah. She's a former wrestler, yes. Okay. Yeah. And I thought maybe they just thought she was pretty and muscular. So they were like, here, be a trooper person and kick some butt. Yes. She is a former wrestler, uh, among other things. I mean, she didn't have that much to do in Deadpool, so you really didn't get a feel for it. You know, it wasn't terrible. I don't think it was bad, but it was definitely a little wonky compared to the rest of the sort of acting chops that we've seen so far in these episodes. They have high profile actors playing these roles. It was a little hard to watch. It kind of took me out of the moment. She's like, I'm going to save your village. Yeah. The training montage as well, she had some kind of clunky, like... She gave some kind of clunky speech, like, right before they started, and it was... Or when she was, like, arguing, she's like, we're not helping you guys out, or whatever, and it was very, like, the whole scene was kind of clunky. Yeah. Two starships against a star (laughs) destroyer. I... Yeah, it was like that. I'd like for there to be more of her. I think it's a great character. I think it would be a great character if they had a better actor playing the role. Yeah. It's with anything you don't become good at it unless you do it. I just think she's a little bit more time. I don't know if she's going to stick around though. It's another one of those one-off characters until we meet again. Yeah. Well, I think that these characters... When is he going to build a damn team? He needs a team. He gets beat in every damn fight. He needs Blurg guy. He needs the shock trooper. He needs the scientist. I don't know why he doesn't have a team. I thought he was going to be a little bit more badass, but he's been getting his ass kicked a lot. Yeah. I, well, we don't. We know that he gets there yeah. because of scenes from the trailer. But I think he will assemble a crew. I think Gina Carano will be a recurring character. All these people you think come back together? Yeah, I think so. But we'll see. Who knows? Well, I also really like her backstory. I think it's a very interesting character. She's going into what happened after the Battle of Endor and how they were using the shock right. troopers and that it wasn't. But she's on the run from them, which is kind of... It reminded me a lot of Valkyrie from... Thor. Yeah. It was like a very similar character where she's like, I'm just hiding out here and I want nothing to do with anything I've ever done and uh, don't ask me about it. Oh, she was afraid that he showed up for her. Yeah. Right. She was afraid that he showed up for her. So I guess it could be, you know, she bad did, guys did sending bad. the bounty hunters after her, not necessarily because she left the, she left whatever responsibilities she had for the rebels. Also, did you see, did you catch the rebel tattoo under her eye? No. Mm-hmm. There's like, she had a little mark. Hmm. on her face and I'm fairly certain that it was a little rebel symbol tattoo. Hmm. I think they probably could have done without her character entirely and just had that one woman in the village. Yeah, why do they have one mother or whatever? Yeah, I they well they could have had one or the other, but I don't think they needed both necessarily. I do think it was important to have both from sort of two sides of the story, but the also in general the show has been lacking in any female presence. So we kind of got two badass ladies in one episode, which I thought was pretty great. One who's a shrimp farmer, but has some kind of backstory that we don't learn because she can shoot and he never asks her about it. It's just kind of left out there. I mean, come on, Mandalorian. She's asking you all these questions about your past. Reciprocate a little. Be like, what about you? Where'd you learn to shoot like that? Mm. Well, she's asking a lot of questions about... uh she wants to know about him. Last time he took off his helmet and stuff like that. And yeah. I was kind of waiting for a big reveal to her be like, I'm a Mandalorian, or I was. Oh, yeah. Because she's really badass and she knows how to shoot. And she's she knows, you know, all the rules about the helmet. And she's mm-hmm. just like a backwater shrimp farmer. Like, how does she know anything about anything? Yeah. So I'm kind of waiting for that at some point, if they ever touch back on that planet, to find out that, like, she was a Mandalorian or something like that. Mm-hmm. Also like that all of these people have read about the Mandalorians. Like it's it's the first thing the guys who get off the boat 
to hire him, say. Right. It's like, I read all about your people. In my shrimp library. <laughs> <laughs> well, same thing with Rey. She's heard legends about the Jedi. It seems like Jedi and Mandalorians are the two primary forces of nature in the galaxy. So he gives Gino Carano the money that the villagers paid him to help him out, to help him help them out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's a training montage of the Mandalorian teaching them how to shoot and Gina Carano's teaching them how to shiv. No, the pointy end points out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she turns one you of the You guys are in. that stupid. <laughs> you don't realize that the sharp end is what you attack people with? I don't want to hurt them. I just want to like poke them a little bit. Come on, give these people some credit. No, they it's- farm shrimp. They built these little huts- it's very similar to like when you see a montage scene in like a, some kind of like teen movie and the girls are trying on clothes and they're like wagging their finger like, no, you know you don't wear that outfit. That yeah. looks terrible. Um, Baby Yoda's eating frogs and all the little kids are laughing. That was a good one. And then he spits it out. Yeah. Uh, what else? What happened? How do they reveal next? that there was an ATST? Because he was like, you didn't tell me about the ATST. Oh, they, they saw the trees were messed up. And he had He's, his, his uh, infrared or whatever on. Yeah. He was looking at the tracks. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's right. All right. Yeah, which I said at the very beginning of the episode when it opens with that village. Like there's thunder and then blasters. It's obviously a <laughs> walker of some kind. Yeah, yeah. And they don't tell him. But then he, they go, he and Cara Dune go... Like infiltrate the. I don't know if these things are named the Urukai. Uh, Star Wars Urukai. That's yep. it. Yeah, yeah. They go and try to sneak up on them, and they want to provoke them so that they do come and fight because they wanted to trap the ATSD. Right. I thought it was cool that they were like, "You got to get rid of this thing because those guys will wipe out your clan." Yeah. Like the ATSTs are a bad thing. Whereas in Return of the Jedi, they're kind of silly. Like they're cool, but the Ewoks take them down. You know. What that's I mean? exactly what I said. I was. They were like. You got to leave this planet. You can't fight this thing. It's like the Ewoks did it with sticks. They just tied a log to a tree. And then when the thing walked by, they cut the It has rope. a giant design flaw in that its legs are legs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it looked badass, though, with the red eyes. It was a great design. Set, uh, whoever thought to design it with the red eyes made yeah. it look really extra killer. Yeah. Coming out of the woods like that. I don't know. What happens next? It eventually steps in the pond. Yeah, Gina Carano She's Cara trying Dune, to play chicken with it. Right. Runs up to it and shoots at it until it takes a step forward. That's pretty, I thought that was pretty, pretty good scene. Like, she didn't want to help these people and now she's running into danger with the Mandalorian's gun to try to take down yeah. this walker. Well, they didn't tell you how long they were there, but they clearly were living there for a bit. He said like, weeks some back. Kind of pa- passage of time. The, you mean Cara Dune and the Mandalorian? Yeah, they the were end. there protecting them for a period of time. Yeah, he says we caused some, we caused a ruckus weeks back. You might want to leave. We're going to touch on that because I think that that whole series of dialogue is a little bit, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But anyway, they're fighting. The ATST falls in the lake. Well, in the one dugout pond that they dug, and then they kill the Urukai, and then the rest go running and back into the woods. Yeah, I think when they blow up the ATST, they're like, oh, never mind. Yeah, that the was guy the who wasn't holding had. the stick right stabs one of them first just to see, just to show that he learned something. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it does work better this way. And they all go running back into the woods. So, and then it cuts to what we what must be a few weeks later. Yes, yeah, so they're then, still hanging out there. Because he wants to live in peace, I guess. So they're, yeah. they're just there. Right. Okay. So let's just get into this. My, I would say my main peeve with the show, he says to Cara Dune, we, we stirred things up here a couple of weeks ago. It might not be safe for you to stay here. You might want to look for somewhere else. But in the next sentence, he wants to leave baby Yoda there. Hmm. It's like, you just told her to leave because there might be people that became aware of what happened there. But surely, come on. I mean, you know that they are actively and aggressively hunting down whatever baby Yoda is. Yeah, that, that's a pretty big disconnect. Why would you say that to her, but then be willing to leave the kid there? And I really thought he was going to. And then we see that a bounty hunter has shown up with a fob and is has a gun and is setting its sights on. I guess, again, they're there to bring it back dead or alive. And he was going to sniper him. Yeah, he was going to take out Baby Yoda. And honestly, I really thought it was going to happen. Yeah, I I thought so too. Um, They pulled another off-screen blaster moment where you're like, oh, we don't know what happened. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh no, there was a gunshot. Yeah, I was thinking there was going to be a dead Baby Yoda or Baby Yoda holding the blaster bolt. That would have been cool. But Cara Dune saved the day. But also, I felt two things. I felt that that dialogue was messy or not 
100% thought out that he was going to leave Baby Yoda. Why are they still trying to say that he doesn't care about Baby Yoda? Well, he wants him to be safe. He was going to leave him there so that he's... Because he thought he would be, he thought Baby Yoda would be safe there. Mm. But I think the Mandalorian should have known. I think he should be good enough. I think the show should be trying to show us that he's good enough to know that that bounty hunter was there. Right. But anyway, he makes a lot of mistakes. Cara Dune uh, kills the bounty hunter, and they find out that he had a fob, and the Mandalorian has to take Baby Yoda with him, which is great because they're a team now. Was last seeing them just blasting off into space again? I think so. That's been the ending for the last couple episodes where you're like, don't know where they're going, going somewhere. Well, I think it might turn into this show where he now for at least, let's see, we're on episode four. So probably two and a half to three more episodes is him going from planet to planet, you know, helping people out like a Doctor Who kind of. a good good format, maybe. Yeah. Well, wasn't the last part of the episode they were on that like little raft or whatever and they were leaving the town, but they weren't back to the ship yet? Maybe. Because they uh, didn't they focus on Baby Yoda just being like, oh, yeah, my friends. And you're like, oh, he's so sad. Kids. Yeah. We keep saying he and they said he a lot in this episode, which makes me think Hmm. it's not going to be a he. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Dr. Pershings will correct him at some point, maybe. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I thought that this was a each episode is like we said, they're directed by different people, so they're different. And I think each of them have been quite a bit different. I really liked this episode. And I think it's the only one so far that I've had a couple of problems with being maybe a little bit of Gina Carano's acting and what I would consider the dialogue not completely thought out when writing, like leaving Baby Yoda there, having just said we brought too much attention to this planet. Well, didn't he literally say, like, my mission's accomplished, he's safe? He can stay here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you just said the opposite to her. It doesn't make sense. And it's not like you can hide this. Even if there weren't fobs. He sticks out like sore Exactly. I'm surprised when he brought him to the bar that people weren't like, what the hell is that thing? Yeah. Because there's not a lot of them in the galaxy. So you would think. And if Yoda was a legend, you would also, you know, he must also be a legend. Yeah. As far as we know, he's literally the only existing Yoda creature, Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I've referenced legends a couple of times talking about what I think sort of the story was about to certain things. I either heard or read somewhere that Yoda was supposed to be the last of his kind. Yeah. At the time of... Return of the Jedi. But who knows? Thoughts on the episode overall? Likes, dislikes? It's still good. I'm a little concerned that like it was slow at first and I kind of like that. But this episode was almost like a side step as far as like the entire plot going forward. Like you knew they had to hide, but their cover wasn't blown till the very end. This was a little bit villain of the week. ATST and this random tribe that they got to protect and mm-hmm. whatnot. It was that like was, a side mission. Yeah, yeah. It didn't really go with the whole story, which is okay. I guess like the Jawa thing was almost like a side mission too, but he just stole it from the doctor and the client and the stormtroopers. You'd think they would be like real pissed. I don't know. This is probably my least favorite episode so far, but it had the best Baby Yoda moments, mm-hmm. I think. But overall, I didn't particularly like this episode. And I think he's getting very careless with Baby Yoda. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to let, like, the beginning of the episode, she's like, let him go play outside. And he gets, like, really paranoid. And she's like, he'll be fine. And then for the rest of the episode, he's just like, whatever, Baby Yoda somewhere. And you're like, where the fuck is Baby Yoda right now? And you're, like, off in the forest doing whatever. You're not concerned. Yeah, you you were like, they're preparing for this battle. We haven't even seen Yoda. And he, yeah, (laughs) he's off in the woods following tracks of Cara Dune and the villagers can't protect themselves, but they're going to protect Baby Yoda from a bunch of bounty hunters. Right. No, 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 no. So... In the, no. post, in the postman? No, I'm with you. Oh. The beginning of the postman, he's looking for food and water, and he's with his horse. They see a town off in the distance, and the postman's talking to his horse, and he's like, I know our rule. Avoid civilization at all costs, but we got to eat. Yeah. And that should be the Mandalorian's thing. Is like, me and Yoda, we can't go next to any other human being because they're going to rat us out. Like, yeah. he should be avoiding all civilization. He went to this town, but as soon as he was like, you guys got a problem, you know, I'm out. It kind of yeah. contradicts that. He's not the smartest bounty hunter, I guess. Well, he's very honorable. He wants to help he's these just too people much of a nice who can't guy. help themselves, and he wants to live in hiding, and he thought that they could provide it there. Yeah, but you would think he'd be holding baby Yoda at all well, times. Well, it's definitely one of those I, even things Even just him where, walking behind him is like, really? Yeah. yeah, he's like, you don't see him glance back even once to be like, is he still there? It makes me anxious watching it because oh. I'm waiting for someone to just like walk Snatch up and be him. like, yoink, I was right, baby Yoda. <laughs> I'm right there with you. And I <laughs> think I said to Lorelai when we were watching last night, like this, I would be very anxious 
of. You think you'd be holding I'd be yeah. carrying this baby out. But it's one of those things in any plot where it's a main part of the plot, but you cannot always have it with you. Right. Like there's stuff that the main character is going to be doing that where it can't be around. So it's one of those convenient things. Where okay, we got to be very, very quiet. That. We're sneaking in. Ah! Yeah. Well, he should yeah. be hiding it a little better, at least. He goes out. He was going to leave it on the ship. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know about this. Big like, shiny ship. leaving it on the on thing the that could take off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he was just pressing all the buttons on. Yeah. You think that's safe? Okay. Leaves it in the bar with all the people he doesn't know. He just pays the woman who owns the place. So, yeah. But I also loved this episode. I love all... I mean, I think they're all good. Uh, wait, wait. So, Robin, are you liking it more or less, though? Because you were still pretty skeptical, I feel like. As of last episode. I think the only really redeeming thing for me is the baby Yoda. That's they play that card. They put him in a scene. Everyone likes that scene. That's the only reason I'm really still. The memes watching. are everywhere. Everybody loves it. It's not like holding the show together. I feel like you could still get rid of the baby Yoda. It would still be a pretty good show. Yeah. That's I, the thing. You could take I'm sorry. You could take out either thing and I just want him to be like a little bit more badass. He's not really badass yet. He's like kind of clumsy, kind of careless, and like seems like really anyone can kick his ass at this he point. Gets like beat in every episode at some point. Baby Yoda can kick his ass at this point. Well, it's the force. Yeah. <laughs> Still. Yeah, I don't know. When he was fighting those stormtroopers in the last episode, it was pretty great. Stormtroopers notoriously. He fights pretty well. Not bad. Not good. <laughs> I get, they did they write those moments for the show. He can't just be infallible. It's like, nope, he got bested every now and then. Yeah, but I kind of want him to be. I want him to be oh, like yeah. this undefeatable warrior. And I agree. He's too sloppy. Yeah, I think we're going to get there if the trailers are any indication. I hope so. But Gina Carano is also a badass. I mean, as a person. Yeah. But obviously they pick her in the show for a reason. She's a wrestler, mixed martial artist or whatever. And she's a... I believed her as a, I can train you guys to beat yeah. these monsters. She's a large, muscular, fighting lady. It was cool that they fought and she bested him. Is the helmet coming off? I think the helmet will come off at the end. So is this supposed to be There's just- going to be a season two, though. So so that's another thing that got, that annoyed me on Twitter this week, was that I saw a headline, you know, Krypton to Alderaan, we read the headlines, <laughs> of John Favreau talking about season two. I was like, come on. This thing's coming out week to week. It's not even all at once. It's not like you can binge it and get through it and want more. We're wanting more at the end of every week, but we know that there's eight episodes total. It's too early to be wanting season two. I mean, we all hope that it goes that way, but let's stop talking about season two. We got this right here and right now. I never man. like when people are, or studios or whatever are producing the sequel before they've seen the entire reaction yeah. to the ending. I, I don't understand that, but. I feel like it would be almost cooler if they were like, it's eight episodes, you know, that's it. Yeah. Miniseries does not keep people subscribed to a streaming service though. It's got to be forever. Well, I yeah. I would really love for it to keep going if Baby Yoda develops into a regular Yoda and it's Mandalorian and his crew with the Force-sensitive. I think it could be a really cool <laughs> Western adventure across the galaxy TV show for a while. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And there's obviously, Favreau's doing a great job of writing the episodes. I think from this point on, he's no longer writing. He has no longer written the episodes. The next episode is written by Filoni, written and directed by Filoni. And the one after that is Christopher Yost and Rick Femmewa. <laughs> I don't know how to say his name. But anyway, there's good writing talent. There's good directing talent. It's good. We're not, I don't, I don't think it's going to get bad before the end of the season. We're going to want more. And I really like the week by week pacing. At first, I wanted it to be literally like, drop them all, I'm binging them. I'm so excited for this. This feels like back in the day when you're like, nope, Tuesday nights are for prison break. No, I prefer that because I, I much prefer... We get to chit-chat it for a week. Yeah, I'm, I much prefer regular cable over streaming. Like, it is convenient to be like, well, the entire season just dropped and I can sit down and binge it, but I also don't want to waste four to five hours binge watching a TV show. I'd much rather be like every week there's an episode I spend 30 minutes watching it and then I can do whatever else I want. Instead of being like, yeah. well, I put this on for five hours and I didn't really watch it because it was a whole day and it was kind of on in the background. No, you get much more value out of it. You watch it in a day and we'd be like, was that whole series good or bad? And you'd be like, bad. Yeah. But now yeah. you're really like going down the micro detail of each episode and appreciating it more, you know, getting to know the characters more. Because like a stranger's thing, like you binge through it as fast as you can and it's over in a day or a week. I still pick yeah. apart every episode. Sure. But that's fine. But this it's is- just me and my journal. <laughs> stretched out. 
Yeah. And I enjoy that. The first thing I look at when an episode starts is the runtime. This was the longest one, yeah? Yeah. I think the last one was 41, and number three was 37. Yeah. So last one that was definitely right. the longest. Yep. It's still it's not good. super long. It's still shorter still than not, an episode but it's got me like, well, it's longer than 30. Yeah, I want them to be long. I, I hope that like the last couple ones, like, well, there's just more story to tell, and we're just going to tell it. Yeah. Like, you don't have to keep it to any sort of length. So that's those two episodes. Based on that, we got any theories, any new theories about why Werner Herzog and what's left of the Empire might want Baby Yoda? I've got some new, th- I've got I'm a su- new theory. Well, I mean, there's like a huge one I'm surprised you haven't brought up that other people brought up that I didn't notice, but I watched their YouTube videos and now I know. I think this is what, if you're going to say what I think you are, I was going to text you guys this a week ago, but I didn't want to <laughs> influence it. And also I wanted to save it for the podcast. So I'll tell you what, what I, <laughs> what I came up with before Lorelai and I watched episode three, I got home from work one day and was in a frantic mood and was like, we got to sit down and I got to tell you what I think is going to happen in (laughs) The Mandalorian. And so one of it was that he was going to drop Baby Yoda off and get his armor and go get him, which I was right. (laughs) No big deal. Just saying. I think, you know, because I would love for this to tie in to the greater Star Wars universe and because we know that the Emperor is back in The Rise of Skywalker, I wouldn't be surprised, and, and I think it would be pretty cool if part of the plot point is they made it a point to point out that Baby Yoda might have wanted to heal the Mandalorian in episode two. And we didn't touch on this last time. I don't think that that was just a random thing. And if he has force healing powers, or if that's within him, then healing what's left of the emperor at that point in time might be why they're trying to get baby Yoda. Mm. And then of course we have what might be the original emperor or might be a clone or whatever in the rise of Skywalker. I think that might be my current theory using Baby Yoda, whatever healing abilities he might have to heal the Emperor, what's left of the Emperor. Yeah. But what's on the internet? there's more, though. There's more! <laughs> but wait! So... Oh, yeah, yeah. They he think had his arm the patch looks like the Camino. Yes, right. I also pointed that out to Lorelai, I think. But it's not exactly the same. A lot of stuff in Star Wars just has those, like, vertical lines on it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think his whole outfit looks like the... It just looks like that kind of era Clone Wars style, I guess you'd say. So is a theory that Baby Yoda's a clone or that there are clones of Yoda or that... I would assume the theory is that Dr. Pershings knows how to clone stuff. Right. He could be cloning the Emperor. He could be cloning Yoda. Do they want to clone a Baby Yoda army to use the Force and take over the universe? Well, someone said that they only need certain parts of Yoda or something, so maybe they want to clone his midichlorian aspect and pair that with somebody else's thing. Because when they make the clones in Attack of the Clones, they're like, we remove their free will. So they can kind of change their genes or something. Maybe they don't need the whole Yoda. They'll just take the best parts of Yoda. But whatever. I don't know. The patch, I'm not super excited about that because that you already know Yoda's cool. We don't need to know... And, and they want to clone him. Like, they yeah. just want him because he's a Jedi. I mean, they're bringing a bunch of stuff back into canon. I wouldn't be surprised if it's bringing back into canon the cloning of the Emperor. And... Baby Yoda could be a part of that. I mean, I don't think the healing thing was just some random piece of writing. I think that that's an important key to this character. But we'll see. Who knows? But you heard it here first, if I'm right. <laughs> that being said, I'm very interested to see where this shows go, where this show goes in that in the sort of greater context of things like we're talking about. So it's got me on both levels. It's got me episode to episode. If he's going across the galaxy for the next few episodes and lands on a planet and has to help the people out and then move on. I'm really into that. I'm really into the themes, the Western themes and that whole essence of the show. And I'm really into the greater picture, how it ties into the rest of the Star Wars story. Agreed. I think I saw a tweet that said Favreau didn't want to merchandise Baby Yoda in the holiday season, he like didn't want that to be a thing, which I also really dig from this big. You know how much money we're gonna company. waste building this thing, filming <laughs> this thing. Even well, just I, one shot, if he was in one episode, you know, like it would still become a thing. I thought it was just from like a spoiler standpoint, like they could release like a toy of the Mandalorian and like people from the trailer, but they obviously didn't reveal Baby Yoda until the show started. Uh-huh. So obviously, if you are merchandising it for Christmas and you're like. Here's a Mandalorian and Baby Yoda playset. Everyone's going to be like, a what? A what and a what? Yeah. Yeah. 
People, I mean, they always do that. They always release a toy that gives something away. Mm-hmm. That's, have, what, that's what I've been reading is that can't get around it, they though. didn't want Well, you can by not releasing a spoiler. Toy, like, yeah. How do you make money? Any number of ways. <laughs> I mean, You're Disney. <laughs> they've released a bunch of like shirts and stuff. Yeah. They just haven't done any like toys or anything yet. Mm-hmm. I feel really bad for the, the people that cannot watch the show yet or people that just haven't, like not that they're you in don't a different know what you're region. Missing. Well, or you do. I think but you do. can't <laughs> stay away from the spoilers. It's like, if you're not watching it, we're at Thanksgiving. I'm talking to my brother, Rob. He hasn't seen it. And I was like, oh man, well, I don't know how like, you're going to avoid the spoilers. And he's like, the baby Yoda? And I was like, oh yeah. It's not even watching it, you know? We at Krypton to Alderaan were also trying to avoid the spoilers for the first couple of weeks by just, you know, tweeting a nameless entity within the show. But people really just let loose with spoiling baby Yoda across the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Which hats off to them for keeping it a big, I mean- I don't think anyone knew until the first episode. Plenty of secrets were also kept for The Force Awakens. There was a lot in that that we didn't... Ben Solo. There was a lot that we didn't know until we saw the movie. Right. Not the same thing is happening for Rise of Skywalker, and it's very frustrating. I thought that J.J. Abrams, I do think he's good at keeping things secret, and I thought that it would be the same. But they released, as somebody on this show said, and I probably defended... Star Wars and J.D. Abrams, that we would get too much in the trailers. We got the final trailer, and since then, it's been an onslaught of TV spots and clips. And every six hours, there's something new in my YouTube feed, new footage from the movie. It's like, stop, stop. It's very close. Can don't want to know anymore. Some more dialogue, though, for lyrical content? <laughs> <laughs> Just send Royish Good Looks the entire audio file from the movie. Leave the rest of us alone. <sighs> So anyway, that's frustrating. But The Mandalorian, I give it a high Mandasclore. <laughs> Mandascore? Mandascore. Probably better. Mandasclorian. Mandasclorian. I give it four and a half out of five blurgs. <laughs> Perfect. Let's give every let's rate everything on. How many blurgs do you give it? I give it four point five out of five blurgs. Really? Or two baby Yodas up. Huh. Interesting. But you you are constantly saying what you don't like about the show. Yeah, but I'm trying to only focus on Baby Yoda, and I think he was really killer in this episode. Mm-hmm. His comedic timing is really on par. Well, I think <laughs> think that's why I have my reaction to it, is because when we're watching it, I'm like, Mandalorian, disintegrate, yeah, woo, spaceships. And then Baby Yoda pops up, and you're like, ah, ah. And there's, there is both angles that they're playing, mm-hmm. and it's, it is perfect from that. That's probably exactly what they're trying to do, because they want guys to be like, yeah, explosions, disintegration gun, and then they want women to watch it and be like, oh, look at the little baby. Well, they've got me on both. Yeah. They've got me being like, explosions, western, gunslinger. Oh, baby Yoda. Yeah, there are like uh, weapon aspects that I really like and certain characters, but to me, the best part is the baby Yoda. Yeah, and there's nothing too crazy CGI, which I also like. Except for those blue shrimp. You're great not scale then, or uh, curve. Curve. Yeah. No, I'm trying to only focus on the parts I really do like. And I, I, I don't know. I've definitely been calling it the Baby Yoda show. Mm-hmm. This one was real Baby Yoda heavy, so. It was great. Oh, there you go. damn. Another point in episode four. They go into a little bit more defining the findlings. Foundlings? Foundlings. Because he's given the woman in the village, I can't, I just got to get better with names, his backstory. Right. And he says that his parents were killed and the Mandalorians took him in. So foundlings must be non-Mandalorians that the Mandalorians adopt as when they're kids. Because it doesn't sound like he is blood-born Mandalorian. Right. He's um, just in Which religion. I thought was really interesting. That, that kind of shocked me as well. He was found by them and adopted. Yeah, maybe that's why it gets such a hard time yeah. from the other ones. Right. Anyway, surprise question time. What do you like about the show versus what do you not like about the show? Is there anything that stands out as bad? Like we've talked about it appealing to both sides here where it's like the Mandalorian I think has a very good story and it's got Baby Yoda. Is it just the Baby Yoda show? Is it geared more towards that? I don't necessarily from my perspective think it is because I'm enjoying it all but what do you like? What don't you like? And do we think it's good all around? No, good all around is the way to put it. It's got something for everybody so you can't hate it. I don't, I don't know why you could hate it. Mm-hmm. No reason to hate it. You're going to like Baby Yoda or you're going to like The Mandalorian unless you're like, I need Rebels and Stormtroopers and X-Wings. Doesn't have everything from the original, but that's what's perfect about it. It's standing alone mm-hmm. at the same time. 
It's the best live action TV show from Star Wars. Yeah. And and the only. only. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. All around. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of it all around. There are certain aspects that I like. I like to focus on it being the Baby Yoda show. If there's ever an episode where like. He's not in it. He's not in it or he's killed or they just like write him off for some reason, which I think for many reasons would be a horrible call. By yeah, Disney. If, the, if that bounty hunter assassinated him in this last one. I would not be watching it anymore. I would have probably broke half of the apartment in a fit of rage, smashed the TV. The There's got to be drama at some point, yeah, though. Yeah, they, they would have. I, I know, like, my brother, too, is watching it. He calls it the Baby Yoda show. <laughs> he likes Star Wars, but he's not, like, a huge, huge Star Wars fan. And he watched it to give it a shot. And the only reason he's still watching it is because of Baby Yoda. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are lots of people. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people out there. I mean, he's an internet. He or she or it is an internet phenomenon. No, if anything ever happens to it, I'm not watching the show anymore. Mm -hmm. What about you? I've said it multiple (laughs) times. I like it all. I am most critical about Star Wars. And now that I have a microphone in front of me, probably (laughs) more so. So as much as I dive into things and look for meaning in things and try to find uh, inconsistencies and plot holes. I don't think this has much. And the only thing that I have a problem with is, like I said, the dialogue at the end of this one, where he was comfortable leaving Baby Yoda behind. It's really unsafe here, but he'll be safe. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really enjoying it. Everything about it. Woo! The end. (laughs) All right. Is that it? Is that the show? You want to take us home? I guess so. Yeah. All right. But so (laughs) next week, we'll do, we'll talk more Mandalorian, whatever's out. And we'll probably have to do a Rise of Skywalker final... Uh, final thoughts? Yeah, final uh, whatever. Anticipations. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Your final theories and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we'll see you in two weeks, party people. Yeah, and you'll hear us. We'll see you, though, because we're watching. <laughs> like Santa Claus. <laughs> All right, if you've listened this far, thanks so much. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can hit us up on Twitter, at Krypton Alderaan. Or send us an email, krypton to alderon at gmail.com. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in in two weeks for more. And that's the end of the show. You should have said tune in in two weeks for more DeLorean. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. I've been Joey. I've been Royce. I've been Robin. And we've been Krypton Krypton to Alderon. Yay.